It's time for you to be a part of the show. Email or call with questions for Dr. Mike now. Email ask Dr. Mike Smith at radiomd.com or call 877-711-5211. What are you waiting for? The doctor is in. So my next question is about inflammation and weight gain. Is there a connection? This question is from Dana. Can inflammation really be a cause of weight gain? I read recently an article by Lois Schmeck. I think she's a PhD. She put that in parentheses. That it can, meaning inflammation causes weight gain. What are your thoughts? Well, I yeah, this is a great question. I actually went and found the article. Um, I do. I've heard of Lori, and I think she may even been on my show at some point. Um, but I know she she's written a couple articles for Life Extension, and and so I, I think our paths have crossed in some way, some form. And I did. I found this article: "Is Inflammation Making You Gain Weight?" by Lori Shemek, Ph.D. And so the first thing that she says in this, so I'm just going to kind of review this, right, and and see where I agree, because you know Dana wants to know what's my opinion on this. So let's just kind of go through this. So she. Her first headline is, Inflammation is a Factor to Weight Gain. She says, Inflammation is a Cause of Weight Gain. And she and she makes that statement, and then she proves it by saying, We know that our fat is, in fact, very much alive. And you can think of your fat cells as small factories spewing out inflammatory molecules which have a metabolic effect that slows down metabolism. And so that we know is true. We know that Fat cells are not just these sacks of fat, Dana. They are quite active, uh, metabolically speaking. Uh, they have this, uh, let, let's call it a, a neurohormonal connection to the brain and different parts of the body. And if you think about it, it makes sense because fat cells store fat, and that fat sometimes can be used as an energy source when you really need it. So the fat cells the fat cells have to be able to respond to what's going on to the body to know whether I need to whether they need to hold on to the fat or whether they need to burn it. So just understanding that, right? You get this idea that okay, yeah, the brain needs to be able to talk to those fat cells. Uh, the, the the muscles need to be able to talk to the fat cells so that so that they can control how much fat is actually being stored and how much is actually being burned. So so far, yes, I agree. Fat cells are very active. They they are you know making communications with the brain and muscles. They do have the ability to produce inflammatory compounds, um, signaling compounds uh, to know when to keep fat and burn it. Now she goes on to say, this effect then packs more fat into the cell. So when the fat cells are getting too fat, they they didn't to release more of those inflammatory signals, and I agree with that. So the effect is that we get more fat into the cell, leading to a bloated, unhealthy, toxic cell that continues to store fat and hold on it, hold on to it for dear life, never letting go unless the inflammation within the cell is modulated. And yes, I do agree with this. Uh, and then she goes on to say this reprogramming of the cell to bring down the intracellular inflammation so the fat cell stops releasing all these inflammatory signals that reprogramming can happen and it produces a more healthy cell that is more prone to release fat as a fuel source instead of holding on to it that's where it gets a little bit more in theory right we know the fat cells have to communicate with other parts of the body to know when to burn fat or hold on to it 
We know that they produce signaling molecules, some of them being these cytokines, these inflammatory molecules. We know that. We know inflammation can affect metabolism. Um, I guess the question really becomes, though, if I reduce systemic inflammation, does that really affect the fat cell inflammation? Does that really help me to lose some of the stored fat? I, I guess another way of asking this, Dana, is if I do an anti-inflammatory regimen and I watch what I eat and I get some exercise, can I expect weight loss? And I think that's where it gets a little bit more muddy. I do believe inflammation, systemic inflammation, can disrupt the normal fat cell signals causing the fat cell to hold on to more fat. I believe that that's a true statement. But if I do something like reduce systemic inflammation, is the is the reverse the same? Will the fat cell then release some of that fat, burn some of it, shrink, and I lose weight? That's where we don't really have a lot of the support. Because we know that gaining weight is multifactorial and I think that's the key Dana you know high levels of inflammation may cause some fat cells to retain more fat that may be true um, but that's maybe one mechanism As a matter of fact I wrote a ebook called the nine pillars of healthy weight loss and I don't remember which pillar but maybe s pillar number seven is I called it abnormal fat cell signals when there's a lot of inflammation around, the fat cell gets mixed up and it doesn't know when to store fat or burn fat. So it does what it does well and it holds on to it. That's just one mechanism, Dana. There are so many other things that influence weight. And, but these are good questions. What's really causing your weight gain? I mean, Dana, that's a better question than how do I lose weight? Right? That, that should be secondary. The first question we should ask is why did I gain it in the first place? And that's what I discuss in my nine pillar ebook. Okay? Uh, which you can get at Let's see, I think it's at lifeextension.com slash slimmer. It's free. It's a free ebook. Uh, anyway, anyway, so yeah, so inflammation causes weight gain. Inflammation does cause fat cells to hold on to fat. It disrupts fat cell signaling. Fat cells get confused, so they just do what they do best, and that's hold on to fat stores. Yes. It does not necessarily mean, though, if you go on an anti-inflammatory regimen, diet, lifestyle, that you necessarily will lose a lot of weight. The reverse is not necessarily the same Be because weight gain is complex. There's at least nine mechanisms or nine pillars of why we gain weight. Inflammation and abnormal fat cell signals are just one part of that, Dana. So Lori Shemek, who I respect, this is a good article. I think she's on to something. I just think it's sometimes more complex than one mechanism. In one result. Okay, I'm going to move on. Next question. Um, I got a, for some reason, I got a whole bunch of questions about calcium all at once. Um, is calcium supplementation, this is from um, Steve, is calcium supplementation necessary? In other cultures that don't supplement with calcium, do they have a higher incidence of bone breaks and fractures? That's a really, really good question. Um, I think in older adults, yes, calcium supplementation is necessary, but it's not. But you don't want to just do calcium. And I and I answered a question similar to this before. If you just take a bunch of calcium, right? And, and there's and, and calcium is a mineral. It's an important. It's important to have the right dose. Just like you know, dosing is important to all of this. So 
If you take in just a whole bunch of calcium and you only bring in calcium, you can have some problems. The calcium can deposit into, into places you don't want it to go, like muscles and arteries and stuff like that. Calcium has to be taken in, in, you know, in the context of a complete nutrition plan. With that said, I do think older adults do need to supplement with calcium. Um, usually for most women, that's about 1,000 milligrams. For men, it's about half, about 500 milligrams. But that calcium has to come with vitamin K2, which helps to put it in the bones, and vitamin D, which helps to get it into the blood. Um, so in the context of proper nutrition, proper vitamin K levels, you know, proper vitamin D levels, calcium supplement as calcium supplementation in older adults is important. Now, what about other cultures? Well, I looked at the, looked this up. The International Osteoporosis Foundation said last year, 2014, there were nine, or I guess 2015, but I guess it's two years ago, nine million fractures per year happened because of osteoporosis. 51% of those were in Europe and uh, the United States. The rest of them were in Southeast Asia. So Southeast Asia, they don't, take calcium supplements too much but they had a decent amount of fractures from osteoporosis so looks like we we need to be really looking at our calcium intake vitamin d intake k2 intake all that's important for for bone health and it's important across cultures this is healthy talk on radio md i'm dr mike stay well